0: Welcome to Real Everyday People and Eladio Nino Podcast.
1: The dollar hero or see yourself become the villain see too many dark nights and light the way you're living They got me living Hey, what's up, everybody? Is this is the El Blast Nino conditions. Podcast. I'm El like Nino, and this is Real bar. Everyday People. I want to thank everybody for sharing, subscribing, and for tuning in. I appreciate you guys and for sharing with all your family, friends, and loved ones and helping them, you know, tune in and guiding them to my El Nino Podcast, man. Thank you. I really appreciate you. Um, I've had a very eventful week very fruitful. I have a lot, you know, to be happy for, a lot to be grateful for, a lot to be proud of. On um, Friday, I discharged off parole successfully. So i um, very grateful for that. You know, um, I don't have any more barriers, no more boundaries. You know what I'm saying? Like I can, I can go places now, you know, and, um, and all that's going to do for me is contribute to my well-being because now I can expand my network. El Nino network, we're going everywhere. I'm talking about LA, Chicago, New York, Jersey, wherever, wherever you at, we, coming for sure um my brother you know i I became an ordained minister so i can marry my brother so congratulations to my brother lorenzo and his wife felicia and i wish you a lifetime of love and joy and happiness and uh you know it was really good to see all the family the cousins the aunts the uncles it was you know very refreshing to see everybody because i know everybody's always so caught up in the hustle and bustle we hardly ever have time to see each other but you know i felt so good seeing everybody and hugging everybody man i love you guys um, Cinco de Mayo was live, you know, it's just been so eventful and, and, and we still doing it. We got a live podcast that's going to happen tonight. I got a good guest here, this brother. I was with him the other day and we were at the uh, festival over there on Scottin and Bagley uh, that was put together by the culture creators. Big shout out to them boys, my man Miguel Reyes and EJ, and uh, and, and I bumped into David there. I got my booth, I got the whole family there. Dave knows my whole family, <laughs> mom, aunts, uncles, cousins. I said, man, boy, small world. bless, man. So yeah. for those who were tuning in, you guys had to have seen, you know, our little five minute interview. He had a lot to share, and he's even got a lot more to share with you guys. So uh, I introduce you guys to David david Sanchez. It's a, a lot of your pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, like you said, while we, he ran into me, I guess you can say I was on a campaign trail, but really I was hanging out in Southwest where I was born and raised. Uh right across the parking lot from the school i went to western high school so Mm -hmm. very familiar with the area like you said culture creators my buddy is through the uh black party secret mile black party yeah i think it's the first of many from what i understand maybe the first annual one so it looks like we're gonna have a lot of fun moving forward bro they had the mechanical bull there bro Uh, i missed that one man i I thought i thought it bro i saw the wrestling matches but yeah, um, ran into a and sat down and talked to talked to him really quick about why I was running. Like mm-hmm. I did the quick five minute, I think three minute, three minute spiel. Yeah. But yeah, I mean just a, just a, the elephant in the room: David Sanchez running for city council in District Six, Southwest Detroit. Uh, really running for the families. Really, I'm raised. I, I was raised in Southwest Detroit, raising my babies in Southwest Detroit. So. Running for the families, that, that's where I'm at. Absolutely, I mm-hmm. love it bro, Thanks, I love brother. it. Thanks for having that's me.
1: That's why when I put the caption on, I said, you know, we got one of our local leaders coming on because we we, we have and we need more pillars, more leaders, more community leaders, people who are from the neighborhood, who understand the culture, who understand the people, the community and their needs and their wants and all that good stuff. That's what it's about, man. I think we need
0: the homegrown leaders, exactly what you said, people that has experience, what everybody else has experienced. To me, that's the definition of democracy. Mm -hmm. And so you have to represent the people that are sitting at home that aren't at the tables that you're at, and you have to tell their story and you have to come up with solutions and resolutions for the people at home. And so that has to come from the community that's affected. Mm -hmm. And if you're someone that doesn't really get it, doesn't really get poverty, doesn't really get criminalization, doesn't really get, uh, uh, property displacement, all those things. And how can you really advocate for somebody else? So you got to have two yeah. things. You got to have, I think, the direct experience of, of being affected by these certain things. But you also have to have um, the will to go out there and do it and the understanding of the political process. Mm-hmm. So a couple things. And I, I think I embody those two things. I could brag on myself for a second. You know, it just came up community uh, leader, community organizer, fought against the Trump administration mm-hmm. uh, during the whole uh, Trump era when he was demonizing immigrants, mm-hmm. stood up against them, made rallies, made press conferences, Allowed some of my friends that are DACA recipients, built the stage for them to talk and tell their story mm-hmm. so that the media can report on these things correctly. That, you know, Mexicans aren't criminals and all this thing, these things that Trump said that were actually, you know, people that deserve to be here to build this life for ourselves and our families, mm-hmm. just like everybody else did in this country. And treated with dignity. Treated with all the above. You know, dignity, like it's, every, every, that's what this country built its uh, reputation on. Uh, being a place where you can come here and work and have the opportunity to do things and improve yourself,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's like when white racist white nationalism came up through Trump, they just took that whole thing away and then just mm-hmm. demonized the whole culture of people. So I was I, I wasn't for that, so I you know I stuck up for 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 our, for our community, and um, since then, since before then, just been
1: active in, in community community organizing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you know that's so great because you know me growing up, bro, like. I I never grew up knowing the value of of, of of voting and and um you know we were like outlaws we were we we organized ourselves our communities like you know we didn't need the police we just took care of all of our own issues you know and yeah. and no matter what was going on with the rest of the world or what the situation was all we knew was only the strong survive we survived to the best of our ability yeah. you know what I yeah. mean whether it was the right thing or the or, or the wrong thing we only knew to survive and that yeah. was it yeah
0: right. I mean, if if you think about it for a second, a lot of the gangs came together, right? The street gangs back in the day, and I grew up in the '90s, so I remember the gangs like Latin Counts, Cash Flows, Folks, yeah. Cobras, yep. all that. Infested. Folks, Infested. folks, kind of, yeah. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of things going on, right? But folks kind of organize themselves, and who? I mean, when you're putting situations growing up in, in a city like that back in the '90s, '80s, '90s, mm-hmm. it's like coming together, maybe for survival, maybe for community, maybe for things like that, mm-hmm. and I think organized getting together for for maybe a a better purpose than whatever it was back then Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough I got to dodge those gangs right I I didn't go for some reason or another I was a good kid I can't explain why but Mm -hmm. I'd imagine like those same things coming together as a group could be translated and used a a little bit better right Mm -hmm. so it's like for things that count things that matter things are important to the community uh you said (laughs) you said something uh, important too though it's like a lot of us don't really understand the, the, the political process or how valuable a vote is, mm-hmm. and it's, it's exactly what I said, it's um, voting and supporting people that reflect you, that reflect those ideas, and it's coming together and really trying to take the time to find out like how you should vote, what you should support. I think it's very important. Yeah,
1: you know? absolutely. I, I voted for the first time this year. Um, I work at the DHDC, so they had me registering people. Nice. I learned the process through um, working there. I, I was poll watching. I was doing, like, all these types of things. Yeah, and I'm beautiful. like, wow, I've never even voted before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it was definitely a great experience, man. I felt yeah. more American. I felt more of a citizen, you know, more like a civilian. Like, you know, I yeah. just, like I said, man, me coming up, I live like an outlaw, bro. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. We made our own rules. We have our own code of ethics that right. we abide by in the community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? no, I, I get it. I get it.
0: Yeah, I see. And honestly, just looking, just being in politics, um, looking at the rates of voting, Southwest Detroit's one of the lowest, one of the lowest in the city, one of the lowest in the state, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where my street where I live at, the neighborhood, not a lot of people come out and vote. There's a lot of people there. There's a lot of registered voters, but not a lot of people that actually vote.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: just cut, even if you don't, even if you're not really sure what it is the right thing the wrong thing to do what politicians do what, what elected officials do is they literally see who votes and who doesn't vote and the places that do vote just get that much more attention right mm-hmm. that's that that's what the political process behind the scenes looks like the data
1: shows who votes it doesn't show who you vote for or who you vote against it shows who shows up right what, what barriers do you think that you can be there like like language uh information translation like do you think that those could be some of the barriers that may discourage people from wanting to come out and vote even understanding what they're voting for i mean uh the department
0: of elections should really have more translators in southwest detroit that that's really big ballots themselves can be translated right just having a welcoming attitude when folks go out to vote i think will be big with just encouraging people to come out to vote um but also, I think a lot of it is, is culture, man. It's our culture as maybe Latino people is like being self-sufficient. And this is just a theory of mine. It's not nothing scientifically proven, but just knowing that you're the one that has to do for yourself, like right? a lot of immigrants mm-hmm. think that way, you know, that uh, there's nobody in, in high in the sky that's going to save you. There's nobody in an office with, with a suit on and tie on that's going to come through and save and make your situation better for you. And so you just work and work and work and you let the political process take care of itself because it won't do you no good anyway. Mm-hmm. I think too many people think like that, but there, that's a whole industry or a whole thing that we can take advantage of that mm-hmm. we didn't even think about to actually get some resources and keep politicians honest to give us exactly
1: what we need, mm-hmm. right? So what do you think about, like, I know a lot of people, especially politicians who have went in with the best of intentions, mm-hmm. You know, with integrity, with dignity, and then all of a sudden, a year or two later, the direction changes, the agenda changes. You know, they start to become familiar with things or maybe they're sometimes they're forced to be in positions where they have to do things or promote things that they don't really uh, support, you know. And, and sometimes they become corrupted by the politics, even though their intentions were good and they started out good. And, and, you know, sometimes you have people who are in control of all the pieces that move. And if you don't cooperate and do what they want to do all of a sudden, your name's off the ballot or you know things like that it's like you know how do we create a system that upholds integrity as its number one
0: priority it's you know what i think i mean that that's that's a good response honestly i feel more sorry for those people those Mm -hmm. actual politicians that lose their way when they're in there Mm -hmm. than just about anything else i mean i think it it takes a lot of courage to even run for office i think it takes Mm -hmm. integrity transparency the lights are on right it's like okay uh, somebody steps out of you know obscurity nobody knows who this person is and they even get votes so you have to like stand out there in the spotlight right mm-hmm. so to even do that it's like you kind of have to be transparent you're kind of out there and, and, and you know kind of showing yourself to the world or to whoever to, to get the votes and maybe after a while that gets to people's heads I don't know like I'm not sure what mm-hmm. that process is like but but I do know is like we just have to pay more attention to the people we elect uh, make sure they have integrity but make sure they're doing what we need them to do right. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. yes.
1: So, Absolutely, man. Yeah. But you know, it's just unfortunate when when they start to lose sight of the goal and the agenda and the people and the mission, and then they get caught up in the money and and the politics and the favoritisms I and think, all that stuff I that I think takes people fall, man. You know, honestly. So, and and we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about my
0: whole story, right? But we'll, we'll go here real quick, I know, then, then we'll we, go to the beginning. We took <laughs> off, baby. We
1: jumped straight off
0: into it, you know? And so, you know, to that point, though, it's like I uh, was an intern for Kwame Kilpatrick when I first started uh, college. So I entered for Kwame Kilpatrick when he was in the state house. And I actually helped him uh, run for mayor. I, I worked on his uh, political campaign for mayor. And then I saw him. He was riding high. He was the youngest man in Detroit City's history. And then I think maybe he was just... Feeling too good, right? Like thinking mm-hmm. he can do a lot, get away with pretty much anything, and then Juanco Patrick just fell all the way down, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and like I said, I feel more sorry for those people, probably because I know some of them, right? I feel mm-hmm. more sorry for them, knowing that they had potential the to do great things,
1: but they let some type of corrupt system get to them, and they actually fell from that that place they're at. It's just t- sometimes I think that people just lose themselves in things, you know. Mm-hmm. And I always said there's a difference between being a boss and being a leader. You know what I mean? Like a leader will show you how things are done, will actually, you know, be the voice, will be the example. Yeah. And in the boss, he just want to sit back and tell you what to do and how to do it and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a big difference. And yeah. uh, and, um, you know, like I said, it's just unfortunate when people lose sight because then a lot of people lose out on that. You yeah, know? That's true. especially yeah. the people who vote for you and believe in. you. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, you know, I mean, with, with me personally, it's like I said, it's the, the personal direct experience. You know, I was born second child to my mom, had me at 19 years old, had my brother at 17 years old, and she was a single mother for a little while. And this and another big reason why I'm running is because there's a lot of single parent led households and there's a lot of children in the district that are living in poverty. Mm-hmm. And so we're almost about 60 percent poverty. Um and that has been increasing over the last 10 years like the wow. poverty rate for children and so wow. i grew up in poverty right i was poor before i knew what poor was because mm-hmm. obviously if you're born to a single mother with two children that was also born in poverty that cycle of poverty
1: just continues mm-hmm. um what so was your up. father in the picture like did you know your there, father yeah yeah that? i
0: knew my father they mm-hmm. split up right right when i was a baby so she was single my mother was single as a young woman for about a few years until she remarried Mm -hmm. but my father actually went to um work construction across the state in grand rapids so as i was growing up i didn't see my biological father too much just during the summer times but but we stayed in contact yeah and so here i am in detroit right um just like a lot of us born in poverty in detroit Mm -hmm. uh latino mexican brown boy my grandfather came from Mexico in the 60s, so that's how we got here, right? Just looking into my family Do you know history. what part
1: of Mexico they're from?
0: Nuevo Leon. My grandfather's from Nuevo Leon, Mexico. Uh, my grandmother on my um, on my father's side is from Texas originally. Okay. And my grandmother on my mother's side is Dejanu. also originally from Texas, yeah. Okay. And then, like that. And my grandfather's right across the border, Nuevo Leon, by the mountains. My grandfather was actually a uh, goat herder. Okay. And a sheep herder. Oh, yeah. yeah? Okay. And then when he became a teenager, he went to Texas to work as a rancher because he was good at handling animals. Mm-hmm. And he was a, a real authentic cowboy. Right? Mm-hmm. The yeah. saddle, the hat, the spurs, the whip, all that. And he, he B- rounded B- up the B- animals.
1: B- he was one of these. Yeah, he pretty much. He kind
0: of uh, well, well, looks like him. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was a real cowboy. And um, I think they found out that things were just happening in Detroit. My grandfather mm-hmm. and my grandmother. Well, Actually, there's a cool story to that. He met my grandmother on the ranch where he was working okay and so my grandmother and her family was hired to do like a lot of the uh like the chores the cooking and the cleaning mm-hmm. things like that i guess like domestic duties and my grandfather was outside like doing the cattle ranching right doing cowboy stuff mm-hmm. and my grandmother's father was the boss of like the whole ranch right of course, it was owned by a white guy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the whole colonial settle, settlement thing. Mm-hmm. They took our land and made it ranches for a bunch of white people to own. But that's a whole different story, right? <laughs> so they're working for the white guy, even though that's originally our land, where my grandfather, gran- grandmother, and grandfather came from. But those two met while he was working. And then um, he was like 19. She was like 17. They were very young. Mm-hmm. And since he couldn't get with the boss's daughter, he just found out <laughs> where they could go. So, and then they moved to Detroit because there were jobs here. So him and his brothers moved to Detroit. He moved with my grandmother. They kind of ran away and eloped and married and they're there with each other forever since he was, since the 1960s, like lived in Detroit
1: with my grandmother with the boss's daughter. It's so crazy how so many people have migrated to Michigan and settled here Due to the production of like cars, like we do, we, we call it the Motor City. Like mm-hmm. work was so so uh, available back then, you know. Like right. people literally migrate. Cause I wondered, like, how did so many Mexicans and Latino people migrate? Come here, here, you know. I and mean? I asked
0: my grand, my grandfather's passed now. God bless his soul, and my grandmother. Um, I asked him, why did you come to Michigan, Detroit? Every winter, I'm like, why don't we just live down south in Texas? Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, oh, there was one. First, he was like, well, I like the snow. I wanted to see what the snow was. He never seen snow in person, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've heard he that like, one before, yeah. Right. And then he was like, well, there was jobs here, right? Like uh, a lot of Mexican people worked in the uh, uh, auto companies, the assembly mm-hmm. lines. Uh, uh-huh. But back then, he, my dad was telling me, actually, that the construction work was getting paid even more around here mm. kind of like now too because uh construction trades are paying a lot of money oh right yeah so yeah, yeah. my grandfather came
1: up here and took advantage. especially now there's so much development going on in court town the freeways we got what's the uh the, what's it called the eddie howie bridge. gordy gordy, How- gordy How- i say eddie howie the gordy howie we bridge don't watch hockey I don't, I don't watch hockey <laughs> I, don't, I know really trim, but i don't watch hockey right <laughs> yeah the
0: gordy howe bridge um a lot of jobs available for kids that don't, they don't want to take the university route. That's for sure. They're looking for people. Man, listen, there's
1: a lot of jobs available right now. Everybody don't got comfortable collecting them <laughs> unemployment. So you better get up off your ass and go do something. Oh, well, that's a good point. So you built like a Big Mac. You better I think, get up off your ass. I, and I want to go back to my history. But to that point, like, I
0: understand econo- economics. I think people got to pay more. You know, like, mm-hmm. if you don't have enough
1: workers to work, that means your, 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 your money's too low. You got to offer a little more money. I've seen some stuff where they're like, if you just come work with us, we're going to give you a $1,000 bonus. (laughs) I'm like, what? Like, that is crazy. <laughs> like they're paying you just to get a job. No, you I get know it, man. I, mean? I see the billboards just say, work today, get paid today. I'm like,
0: what? Yes, wow. I used to struggle for jobs back in the day. I remember that. Like the, the early 2000s, the late 2000s, there was Boy, no job. they know
1: how to get them, though. Don't they <laughs> innovate them? Come and get paid by the day? What? Oh, come man. work today, get paid today. That's crazy. Yeah. And so that
0: that's me. I'm I'm a, a third generation Detroiter. My grandfather, grandmother came here um my dad my dad was a baby when he came to Detroit my mom was actually born in Detroit okay and so I'm third generation we were talking earlier I don't speak Spanish not fluently not well not not very good at all mm-hmm. right um mostly English because all my par- parents cousins brothers sisters my everybody just spoke English do you understand any Spanish I understand very little Spanish I think as much as someone born in Detroit but Southwest Detroit would understand mm-hmm. without speaking it at home um but I, I understand it a little
1: bit yeah because that's i mean for most people that's how it starts as you start to learn how to understand it before you start to learn how to speak it and yeah. like when i was a child i spoke all spanish i was going to meet we had moved to lincoln park we had moved from west grand boulevard and verner over there and ended up moving to lincoln park and um so they told my mom like for him to be able to pass these grades he's got to be able to speak english you got to take him home and speak english to him so as I went through that transition, I learned how to speak English and forgot how to speak Spanish. Oh, man. So then, like, my stepdad, he was Cuban. He came straight from Cuba, you know? And so when I started to learn my Spanish back, I learned it in... in, in um Cuban In, in, in Cuban, <laughs> like, uh, in form, you know? So a lot of Mexicans will be like, are you Mexican or Cuban? Yeah. I'm like, I'm Mexican, but this is just the way I learned it, yeah. you know? Where were you born? Were you born- I was born um, in Chicago. Okay. Yeah, okay. In Cook County Hospital. I was born there and then uh, as a baby my mom brought me here right. my I, my family on both sides my father and mothers they both settled in Chicago Mexico Detroit California so all, right. all the cool all the hot places yeah all right. Right. <laughs> right.
0: those are the nice cities
1: and it was yeah. so cool coming home after 17 years because you know, I had lived in Chicago, I had lived in Los Angeles, I had been to uh San Antonio, Texas, and I had seen like the elotes, the paletas, the taco trucks. I had been seen seen this years ago, yeah. And I always wondered like, why don't we have these things in Detroit, you know? And then coming home now, I see paletas, elotes, then they, chicharrones, taquerias, the yeah. taco trucks. I'm like, oh wow, it's beautiful. Like yeah, we it didn't just,
0: have that before. Growing up in the 90s and all that. So I, I, I was born in '81. I grew up in the 80s and 90s in Detroit. Right, right so mm-hmm. when i grew up it was the murder city then it was like the bad mm-hmm. place to be like detroit was a butt of jokes and movies it's like you don't go to detroit you lose your car you get shot at things like that mm-hmm. but then growing up go on actually, vacation and leave on
1: probation yeah
0: <laughs> and um i mean i i I, actually, as a kid, there was like, drive-bys you'd hear outside, like late er, late 80s and early 90s. Mm-hmm. You'd hear the drive-bys. If you're sitting down, you got to get on the floor, you know. <laughs> bullets shot through my grandma's house before. before South She lived on uh, Campbell off of Fort Street. So if you're past oh, 75, okay, yeah. yeah, so they're shooting up the house next door, and bullets flew through the house, like, as we were kids.
1: And you know, was we was all of that. yeah yeah
0: normal stuff a lot of drive-bys yeah um
1: and that's and that's why you know i i look at myself now like man when i was young like i just had my priorities so messed up i mean i was young bro you Mm -hmm. know and it's like you only follow what you're taught you know and all my cousins they were gang members drug dealers party people so i felt like this is what i'm supposed to do as well but you know I'm making up for and writing my wrongs now, where I'm at in my life, and, yeah. and um you know that was that was a commitment that I made to myself and that I made to the Creator that you know part of me of uh, having my transition was just writing my wrongs, getting good with God, amen, treating brother. people with love with dignity with respect, helping when I can where I can, however i can amen you know what man, what I mean? yeah,
0: like I was saying bro, I think I was blessed to dodge that, and I can't tell you why it's like. For some reason I just steered clear of the gangs. So I I just knew in my heart somewhere like that's not the way to go. Like I was like that's that mm-hmm. dangerous. Let me try something else. So I was like a pretty good kid in school. I didn't do skips. I heard about all the skip parties. Like mm-hmm. I went to Mary for elementary, Earhart, then Western. Like starting at Earhart, there was all the skip parties, the house parties, the mm-hmm. Southwestern house parties that are legendary of them course. were legendary <laughs> the house parties. I what? didn't partake until it was the weekend, right? But uh yeah, I really I stayed in school, man, and did well. Um I dodged I dodged the, the, the gang culture thing and I kinda barely made it out because it's like if you're not part of a gang but you have to walk through the hood, if you gotta walk through like cash flow territory they don't know you, you're not you're not into cash flows, they're like, Who are you down with? Like yeah. what set are you claiming? Yeah. Yeah. We would territory. folks, right. Yeah. right. And
1: a cash flow for yeah. a minute there, bro. You better you know your colour, you better know which way your hat is, you know, all what that. Mean? And well, I you lived... better had some cousins or somebody to live around. here. I, that's how I got lucky, but I, I lived like by the Springwells and Burner
0: area, right? They call it uh Spring Wells Village today, right? Okay. Spring Wells Burner area is so where I grew up. But I would go to Western High School, so I'd have to pass that's at least three gang neighborhoods, <laughs> <if it's grown. laughs> Least yeah, yeah, you you're, to starting, you're starting in folkhood, you're going through flowhood, then you're going to counthood. I live in counthood right now. I'm on uh, Ferdinand in Toledo. Oh, no okay. Golly. Yeah, that's right? so, definitely right. That's know? right. Right. Deeper in the counthood, You yeah. know that? Hell yeah. And it's like, I would have to take the bus because my mom would work really early. She worked at Mexican Industries and she would work mm-hmm. like the third shift. So she wouldn't be home. So I would take the bus to Western, but most of the time I would miss the bus okay, or, or it wouldn't come. So I'm walking from my house to Western. So walking there, walking that's back. I know it's like an hour to go to school, but like I was mission. a dedicated student. I don't even honestly I don't know why. i was such a dedicated kid, right? I like that. I would walk to school and then walking back, it, it wasn't good all the time. But mm-hmm. I always cause I would see the different gangs go to the different gang because I wasn't in any gang. But every time, bro, I was kind to somebody or I was nice or I was cool with somebody or mm-hmm. somebody was my homie. So it feels like 10 Latin counts. I'm leaving Western trying to go home. It's like 1996, 1997. That's the height, right? That's the height of gang culture. And it's like, I was always lucky enough to know at least one gang member. They're like, no, man, that's Dave. That's cool. Leave him alone. Like, let him go. Like, I helped him in algebra class or something, right? Like, I swear, (laughs) I was just nice to somebody. Same thing with the cash flows, bro. They'd see me and then like my cousin would be on the porch and so like, no, that's Dave, man. Leave him alone. He's cool. Yeah. So I was I was in my hood, man. It's like I knew somebody, I happen to know somebody, and they let me go every time. That's good, man. God it, bless. That's all man.
1: it takes. You know what I mean? All, <laughs> all It takes,
0: right? <laughs> I think that might have taught me how to become a politician, bro. Just be nice to people and like some good things come out of it, right? So yeah. that's that yeah, that was I barely made it, man. Honestly. Made tell it, it tell us a little better. bit
1: about your mother. What kind of woman was your mother? Oh man.
0: She so t- she is the most kind, giving, strong, resilient person ever. Right? So that's just my mom. Like everybody comes to her when they have a problem. She's the place people go to to party. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they need something, they ask my mom. Um, when I want to go home and have a, a good my mom's cooked meal, I go home still today. Right? Mm-hmm. She gets my kids uh, every weekend. You know, but just growing up, man. She there was even though we had struggles that every kid in Southwest Detroit has living in poverty, I never really felt it. Like she protected me from, from everything. I never went hungry. Our water was always on. Our utilities were always on. We had food. The fridge was full. Mm -hmm. Uh, she had the car to get me to school. Right. She just, she did a lot, bro. Looking back, it's like having two kids at seven, one at 17, one at 19, and doing a good job bro like i can't imagine
1: that man so it's like bro man you know women can do things that men cannot (laughs) do and i don't care how big your dick is or how strong you think you are there are things that women can do that men cannot do she's just protected me from everything bro she protected me from everything like growing up
0: like looking back right we're all from southwest right i think Mm -hmm. everybody here we all know the hood but out Looking from the outside in, man, like growing up in a, a place like that and being mm-hmm. protected and being alive today, you know what I'm saying? Like, God bless her, bro. She yeah, did all that. Absolutely. And she raised me right. And
1: God bless all the mothers that are like that. I know uh, Mother's Day was just yesterday. Had to stop by, show mom love, you know, bear my little gifts, you know. Um. And and I know there's so many wonderful mothers out there, yours, mine, and yeah. so many others, you know. And, and I know it's not easy, man. i know it's not easy especially raising kids on your own and you know women going to school and having kids and holding a job and i'm like what you know what i'm saying especially today you got the kids at home and you have parents and mothers that
0: have to go to work but there's no school anymore it's you're on zoom school so now you're the teacher you're the mom you're the provider you're working you're Mm -hmm. cooking you're cleaning you're making sure your kids are happy Mm -hmm. they're they're not around other kids i got babies right now so right so i'm born in southwest Detroit I got the babies at home in zoom school i have uh my five-year-old my eight-year-old at home and it's like they're not doing much because they're not interacting with other kids mm-hmm. so there's not a lot so it's just that much tougher you know so yeah and I shout out sure. to
1: all the fathers that are taking care of their business too man because men are doing a lot better today than ev- than ever man and i'm really proud of babies, that bro you know especially men of color man you know yeah. because we've been known for abandoning our kids being cheaters, women beaters, and all that bullshit stereotype that was half truths. That's why. But but we but we tipping the battle. we tipping the scale though, we balancing things out, man. Doing you way know? better. We yeah. getting better, man. So mm-hmm. I salute all of you guys, and for those who have had successful marriages and have been able to raise your kids to the best of your ability, I salute you guys too. Hey, Amen. Yeah, I've been married for uh, ten years now, man. I've been here for 10 wow. years thank you bro. bro which is honestly that's a bro, big deal shout Ten out years. to my wife
0: and for mother's day too shout out to her again she works takes care of the babies gets the babies on zoom does the homework with them takes care of me right it's like i sometimes i'm yeah. losing my keys my wallet like <laughs> she's just on everything yeah right? like god bless yes. her bro. she's like a blessing that. the only reason i'm in position today to run for office because i've been with her for 10 years bro and that she's made me a better person just completely better person, you that's know what I'm beautiful, saying, bro? And
1: that's how it should be, though. Yeah, you should be able to bring out the best in her. She would be able to bring out the best in you. That's what it is, And bro. and you guys just become one. Yeah, you know, you guys work like a machine. You have understanding. You have compromise. You know, a, support each other. Respect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's support each other. Gratitude. Yeah, and it's know. like it's the, the love. The love I get
0: from her is I'm so secure, and it's like I don't really need anything more. That's I can give so much more back. Cause like running for office, running for city council, you don't get paid. It's like kind of, you know, it's a tough 24 hour job and you're given a lot to to let people know what you want to do and it's like mm-hmm. i can do that because she's my foundation and she gives me a lot and my family gives me a lot yeah i can just give that back out bro and that's 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 my next step in
1: doing things and you know what it takes a strong woman to be able to be in a relationship with the man who is very productive i'm very productive i'm always bu- busy i'm at interviews i get texts i get meetings i got uh emails i've I'm, I'm got interviews i got Are you working and, and yes <laughs> and, and you know and and sometimes you know they hate to you know make the sacrifice but they understand that you know a man is in motion especially a man with a 17 year setback yeah. you know what i'm saying i'm not trying to make up for nothing you know what i'm saying but i'm i'm, I'm, I'm moving forward you're from here on thing. out
0: you're doing your thing man mm-hmm. yeah so uh yeah so back back to uh my whole story um my, my parents raised me i saw my dad here and there my mom remarried when i was about four years old four or five years old and we're a mixed race family and so southwest detroit district six where i'm running very multicultural place uh i went to western high school was very diverse area she married a black man black man raised me in detroit so that's mm-hmm. why i think you know i'm more in touch and in tune with detroit culture than anything Uh my uh, siblings are half black half mexican and it's just mm-hmm. like how we are coming up man to me growing up like having this diverse experience it's like i never got what racism was growing up. I didn't understand any of that why people would have feelings over some like towards somebody because of their race. Mm-hmm. Until I kind of became 18, became an adult and started venturing out of Southwest Detroit more. Mm-hmm. That's when I see like uh people looking at me because I'm brown skinned young man is like sometimes I felt a little bit discriminated against, mm-hmm. right? This is the first time I experienced that was Make outside of the comfortable like, a little bit. It's like Well, police, I think we all have the experience with police, man. It's like sometimes I just, the police would look at me when I was driving through Livonia and they just turned around, made a U-turn and pulled me right over, Mm -hmm. right? You know, um, one time I remember I said my dad was in Grand Rapids, right? One time I was in Grand Rapids, I was like outside of Southwest Detroit, 16, 17 years old, just walking down the street, going for a walk. You know, back then there wasn't much to do, so you go for a walk. Mm -hmm. Police pulled me, pulled up by me and they said, lift up your shirt. I said, what? They said, lift up your shirt they I lifted up my shirt I guess they want to see if I had a gun on me mm-hmm. didn't see anything they just drove right off so it's like all that because of a race right mm-hmm. and it's in South Detroit I don't I didn't really experience racism discrimination I don't really know that what that was that's why I left
1: outside of it because we were so diverse, you know. Even within serious. the Latino community, you had Dominicans, Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Mexicans. You had, you know, a little bit of everybody. And Then to mix in the Arabs, you know, and the Blacks and everybody else, like we were so diverse, so diverse, right? And everybody it's, it's, celebrated me exactly. the, the Mexican culture, Latino culture. Everybody yeah. celebrated, yeah, you know? yeah.
0: That's that's how I think you know Southwest Detroit too. That's where people went to work, so it was like historically diverse immigrant diversity brother. but that's a strength I, I love that
1: i love the strength yes you know there's so much power strength and unity bro you yeah know I'm saying? i love when we can sit with our white brothers black brothers latino asian air like all of us bro and like we're just we're just people chilling right it, it doesn't define you it is what
0: you are but that doesn't define you as a person like i think we get that to us it's nothing i think to the rest of the country they think sometimes because they're not around diversity they think it really defines a person which It's who you are, but personalities are different. You know what
1: I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It doesn't really, those stereotypes to me don't even make sense. You You know? know what was crazy, bro? I dealt with more discrimination with my own people. You know, when I moved to L.A., they're like, oh, you dress black, you talk black. I'm like, well, I'm from Detroit, so <laughs> this is how we do things, you know. Uh, I went yeah. to Mexico, they're oh, Americano. like, a m you're I said, damn, what the hell, Mexican just like you. Like, where, you know what I mean? I'm but, like, "Yeah, but man, they, yeah.
0: There's a lot of nationalism, man. Like Mexicans, they think these sometimes. Yeah. latinos even in they're Texas, like...
1: Texas they like, don't call me Mexican, I'm Tejano. I said, man, you know what, I'm done with this shit, taking my ass back to Detroit. Chicago is one of the places that was like detroit you know yeah yeah. they're more diverse diverse? there's not a lot there's not a lot that's why i wouldn't move out of southwest detroit
0: you know Mm -hmm. i think um a lot of people in my generation it's like once they were able once they grew up got a job had the children they wanted to immediately like just move out of southwest detroit to try to you know have you know i mean i get it school sometimes ain't, ain't as good right like you want a good school good school system but i think that diversity and like growing up in an area where a lot of different cultures exist, mm-hmm. I think that's the best education you can get, right? Absolutely. My Experience. my oldest daughter, she goes to Western right now, right? And it's, mm-hmm. that's where I went. Um, And so she's, she's immersed in that diversity, you know, to her, stereotypes don't mean anything just like to me. And I think that that's a great education to have.
1: Oh, yeah, you know? no, yeah. absolutely, man. Yeah, um, you know, just just to have social skills, diverse communication skills, diverse social skills mm-hmm. that gives you a level up on everything and everybody else because you know how to speak everybody's language. For you which. can relate to everybody because you're familiar with the culture. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah.
0: That's that. And it's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing about about Southwest Detroit and about Western. So like I said, I wouldn't go anywhere. I think I think it's, it's a great place. I think a lot of people are realizing how special Southwest Detroit is now. Mm -hmm. and a lot of people are moving in Mm -hmm. which brings up a whole other set of issues with the gentrification things Mm -hmm. you know uh properties going up property values going up and people like us that were from there or my children that are from there might have a hard time staying in the in the Mexican town Southwest Detroit area because the rental rates are so high or so expensive to buy a house now you know yeah so what will that look like in the future
1: and I'm learning about that you know because Uh of my job they're teaching me all these things because you know all them people they're you know they're activists for the people for the community yeah so i'm learning so much from them and and everything just is in line with the mission you know what i mean that i'm on
0: right yeah it's it's tough it's it's tough because we're not in a position really like if you're born in poverty you're not in a position to purchase houses you're not in a position to to get the bank loans you're not in a position to get the mortgages for houses and so that's another reason i'm running man just to make that process easier with at least the city owned housing stock through the land bank. And so, you know, proposal and just passed or fixing up a bunch of houses. I say, put these first on the list that need to buy a house, that need some property, that want a place to live, to feel secure, put them first on the list to buy those houses and get rid of all those barriers of credit checks, employment, all that. So if you could pay rent, you could pay a mortgage note to buy a house and have ownership. That's a big reason I'm running. Yes, yes. That's big reason I'm running.
1: Man, I you know, with with the, with an agenda like that, man, you know, I salute you and I wish you well on that mission. Anything that I can do, you know, to contribute to your well-being, man. Um, you know, I I love the mission, bro. I'm, I'm on that journey with you, bro. Thank you, man. Hey, yeah,
0: I, I think we're two of the same people, man. You're doing really great things here, too. So I appreciate just you having me here. Thank you, That's bro. That's awesome, man. I'll
1: tell you what, man. It feels really good, man, mm-hmm. you know, to do good and just being good and, and meeting good people and, and everybody just moving forward together. Yeah, know? man.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: yeah but um you know as always i like to say uh, uh, i like to start off my my second segment with something positive so dave has a piece here that he's going to share with us
0: and and uh eladio said a quote but I, there's not one quote came in my head so there's a whole saying and so it's going to take a second so it's all right that's all right. cool all right it starts like this it's not the critic who counts not the man who points out how strong how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena "...whose face is marred by the dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm and great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least, he fails while daring greatly." so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. That was pretty that's, deep, man, right? Yeah, that's, that's pretty that powerful, gets me going bro. When it's like anything becomes too much, like community organizing was a lot during the Trump era, running for offices a lot with the family and the kids, but it's like you're the one that's out there doing something.
1: Mm-hmm. And a lot of
0: people have anxiety and that's what stops them. Mm-hmm. If you let go of your ego, if you let go of what people think about you, if you let go, yeah, sometimes you might mess up. You might F it up. You might F up and fall on your damn face. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter because you're not doing this for yourself. You know what I'm saying? You got to stay in there and do it, do it again. Not There's not a lot of people like that. And I see a lot of special people who talk themselves out of things, right, who don't do it because they think they're going to mess up, but they can do great things. And I'm never going to let that be the thing that stops me.
1: Man, you know listen, I, I walk this earth like a giant. I live fearlessly. I live fearlessly um, because of my relationship with God, you Amen, know, brother. and, um, you know, I just, I'm not intimidated or afraid of anything. God prepared me to, you know, at, to, to, for where I'm at today and for what's to come in the future, I went That's through the mud, you know what I'm saying? And at the end of the day, it was all worth it, man. Yeah. You know, I asked you before we, the intermission, bro, it's
0: like something, it seems like something clicked or was it a slow process? Like, I want to know, like, does something click when you're in there? Or I,
1: I, I can say this, brother. And uh-huh. and I know a lot of people say it, but for me, it was the absolute truth. It's just that um, I was a product of my environment, bro. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Prior to prison. And when I went to prison, nothing changed, bro. I went to a land of wolves. You know what I'm saying, and you're either a, a lamb or a wolf in there. Mm. You know, and it's a world of its own. And I went in there, bro, and I said, I, you know, I refuse to be a lamb. You know what I mean? And and I became a leader in there you know i became dominant i earned my respect i made a reputation for my name for my number uh with administration with the police with the population with different races from this different cities from Mm -hmm. everywhere and uh and i came out a giant but um for the first 12 years i had to live bloodthirsty i had to live savage because um you know at the end of the day I, you become a product of your environment prison is such a cold environment everything is concrete everything is brick and barbed wire everything is cold everything is gray everything is dark you know what i'm saying I'm so saying, when you live in an environment like that all yeah. your emotions get suppressed everything is aggressive yeah. in there you know what i'm saying and so system right? so it's- after about 12 years because naturally naturally i am a good person my heart is good and and the Amen. thing is that um i needed to get back to who i to who i truly am the nature of who god created yep. and um and i was in that transition but i was straddling the fence i was doing a lot of good mm-hmm. but then i would be doing some bad as well i ended up catching a case in prison I only had a couple years to go and I caught a case selling drugs in prison that gave me more time Then they gave me a continuance because I caught the case. Man. So during after I caught that case, man, I said, man, you know what, man, I said, um, you know, I really need to make my mind up, you know, I need to make my mind up. Are you going to do this or are you going to do that? And I said, you know what, man, I'm tired of dancing with the devil because I've taken too many losses and I don't see no future with dancing with him no more. Mm. So I'm gonna just walk with God you know what I'm saying? I'm going to cultivate the goodness in me and I'm going to do my best to be my best. And everything that I got, all my blessings, I distribute to the people that I love who are near who are far. And um, and I like living my life, according to that, because now I have so much peace in my life. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. like I'm not I'm not I'm not affected by a no pandemic. I'm not affected by people's opinions or thoughts or ideas or stereotypes or biasness or prejudice or whatever you have against me, because I know I cannot control people. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. You know what I'm saying? But what I can't control is me. You know what I'm saying? I can't change the world, but I could change me and I could change the world that I live in. You've been through it, man. That's such a strength to go through it
0: and then come out on top. There's really no bottom that you haven't seen, right? Mm-hmm. I've been there, like just growing, like growing up in poverty. It, it brings on all kinds of stresses from everywhere. As a baby, as an adult with children, even sometimes like, how are we going to pay this next bill? You know what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. got, you, you got, you got the wife and kids, and that responsibility falls on you. And it's like, I've been there. I've been worried about that. I've had anxiety about that. But it's mm-hmm. like. The bottom, bottom. I've kind of seen what it looked like, and that's another reason why I'm not afraid to fail at anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you know
0: what I'm saying? Yes, yes. It's not like some people. You know, I don't want to disparage things, but like they would commit suicide over things that we've experienced on a daily yes, basis. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? You're absolutely correct, right? Yes, and it's like absolutely correct. We've seen the worst of it a lot of times, mm-hmm. and so it's we've been there, and so I think there's a big strength in that. So it's like a strength that we 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 have because. We've been through so much.
1: My my outlet was always prayer, man. My mother, mm-hmm. and I have my mother to thank and my father. They both, my father was a minister in Los Angeles. You know, my mother was a devoted Catholic woman and they always taught me about God. And and so I had to learn how to build my own personal relationship with God. But prayer was always my outlet. I always seen results. I always felt better after I prayed. I felt powerful. And I always believed in that concept. When life closes the door, God opens up a window. You know what I'm saying? And and I look at life like that. I've been,
0: I've been walking in faith this whole
1: time. Like, God's the one that brought me to where I'm at today
0: and I'm running for office so I'm like I you it's like I'm just here where I'm supposed to be like mm-hmm. I'm following step by yep. step out of faith right yep. and like I said earlier you don't make you don't get an income running for office mm-hmm. I was just previously working for a uh, congresswoman congresswoman Brenda Lawrence uh, mm-hmm. U.S. House of Representatives and I was like so much more needs to get done in the city why is anybody talking about the poverty rate our babies are in? Why is anybody talking about um, facial recognition, over-criminalization of, of our people? Why aren't they talking about displaced? Um, the housing ownership has went way down. People can't even afford rent these days. Detroit used to be the number one city with the highest home ownership, and now it's the last, from number one to zero, right, so to, to nothing. And it's like the neighborhoods suffer from that. You're not building generational wealth if you don't own a house. You can't pass it down to your kids, you know, yeah, so yeah. Th- there, there's a lot of, um, of benefits that come from that. But there's a lot going on where nobody's not addressing these issues. So it's like if I understand these things, I'm in the position to run. And I was just like I had to do it. Right. So it's like I was in the position to do it and I just had to do it. So just fulfilling wherever, my, wherever those walking by faith steps have led me This is where I'm in right now.
1: What is it that the community and the people in the community can do to help you, to help themselves, to help make change? Like people want to do something, but don't really know where to start, who to go to, who to talk to, things like that.
0: Anybody out there, if you are interested in politics, community organizing, learning the thing, I'm mentoring anybody, anybody, my age, older, younger, teenager, it doesn't matter. I'm teaching everybody everything I know. About the political process. That's a
1: blessing. I don't
0: Re- inbox me on my Facebook. Email me. Call me. Look, I don't know. If, put my number out. No, I don't know. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah. Your it's David <laughs> Sanchez day. My number you is on am campaigning like, right now. My number baby. is on my
0: Facebook. David Sanchez. Go there. I have the email on there. My phone number is on there. Or inbox me. I inbox my man Eladio. I'm like, hey, I seen your show. You're doing look great where thing. where we at today. Look, just reach out. I mean, that's the thing. Make the first step. Uh, I'll teach, mentor anybody, any any young kid, like anybody that wants to learn any of this political process things. I'll mentor any young person coming up. I didn't have that. A lot of there's not a lot of politically active people from the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. There's a few. I know them all, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the nature of politics sometimes that's the opposition, right? <laughs> right. Much love and God bless everybody that mm-hmm. that has the courage to run, but. Anyone that wants to learn, I'm teaching everybody everything I know. Like, from now, that, that's my mission, so definitely.
1: It's, listen, man, that's a beautiful mission to be on, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I said, my blessings become the blessings of others. And that's also another difference between being a boss and being a leader is because you share your experience, you share your education, you share your knowledge with your people so we can constantly reproduce that knowledge, you know yeah, what I'm saying, and yeah. pass it down. Right. See a lot of people, uh, you know, with poor leadership, people who consider themselves to be bosses, they want their followers and their people to be ignorant so they can maintain and empower. And they want, they need, they, you know, they need their followers to need them. Yeah, you know what no, I'm need, saying? I'm, I'm it's the blind leading the blind, we bro. You have to
0: empower people. Like, th- th- that's a true leader. I think what you're exactly what you're saying. A true leader empowers people, right? So there's, I've seen so many other young people that are way more talented, way sharper, way brighter than I was at their age. I'm like, you all can get it. Like the next generation coming up if you want to fo- focus on politics you, you can get it all like and you can ch- completely transform the neighborhood to what it should be everybody has so many ideas we need community centers here we need places for kids we need home ownership we need to decrease crime well you have to actually do it right mm-hmm. you have to learn this political process it's not always pretty there's something behind the curtain it's like politics behind the politics right it's mm-hmm. like uh but you have to go through that if you want to do something good. If you want to do something good and great, there's always the bad parts that's not not always shown. Mm-hmm. It's the real work, right? How,
1: how have you, how have people welcomed you into this line of, you know, this, life, it becomes a oh, lifestyle. Man, this, like, have you I've been had, welcomed? Had, have you been rejected? I've been rejected
0: so many times, I don't think about the times I was rejected. I value and always think about the people that that lifted me up when I was learning these things. We all know Andrew Reyes, right? Yeah, You're both at DHGC, yeah. She gave me my first job in community organizing when I was so I was speaking out against parking meters on Verner and it's like mm-hmm. DHGC was like, oh, wow. Like, uh, we don't like parking meters on Verner, neither. This young guy's over here speaking out against parking meters on, in these community meetings. And so they offered me a position to, to, to work on that. Um, while there thought... I worked on municipal IDs, getting that passed in
1: the city council. You so, said you worked with Rick Speck on that. I worked Rick Speck yeah. came and worked That's my man he, and
0: he worked the, uh, um, returning citizen returning from jail, returning mm-hmm. citizen part. And then I, I helped recruit people to go speak at the city council meetings so they can talk in, in favor of municipal IDs that ended up passing back in 2016. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, started there in community organizing. And then I'm a board member of Said, Jane Garcia, another powerful wow. woman, like one of the pillars of the community, saw that I was doing good things, community organizing at Michigan United for immigrant rights. She said, we need somebody that can, that you know, younger community organ. I'm not, I'm not as young as they think I am, right? But, you know, someone I know that I can't it's 39 man I, I'm growing. I'm growing like 32, <laughs> 31, 29. Or something. good genes. God bless my mom. Yeah. But Jane Garcia saw what I was doing in the neighborhood and she said, do you want to be in the board of less said, I was like, of course, like what an honor. Like what said like the Southwest Detroit NAACP. It's like, that's our, that's our institution. Right. It's, it helps so many people, seniors to kids, uh, education, uh, mentorship there. So just honored to be at La Sacre and
1: doing great things so Man, yeah I, I grew, I grew up at La Sacre my my grandmother uh, uh, Mary Margaret Alvarez she uh she was a volunteer there for like 40 years bro and uh, I've been going there since I was a kid, and I used to help with the senior citizens there. Yeah, and they always yeah. used to be giving me their little juices. to come in a little plastic, <laughs> I, I, and i yep. would love to see the little kid yes, there. I'm yes, sure. yes, yes. They, they always used to, to be giving me all the little goodies and stuff. They but... stepped
0: up, man. The community leaders and pillars of the community stepped up even through this uh, COVID time. So Lasalle has had vaccine clinics, and Lasalle, I know DHD
1: ha- had oh yeah, clinic. we just had it a uh, Cinco de Mayo. Yep. Yeah, we yeah. had we had an open um, vaccination clinic running. Out out of there and yep. uh you know it was successful you have to have places that people know and trust right mm-hmm. it's like southwest detroit is almost its own
0: entity its own community right a lot of times we don't leave southwest detroit to you know go to a grocery store or go things a mm-hmm. lot of people in southwest go to the store there, take their kids to school there. They work around there and they go home. It's just, that's where people are. Bro, the you know?
1: DHDC is so in tune with the community. Mm-hmm. And and I learned that through registering to vote, uh, poll watching, just all the information they give, all the events that I've been at. Like, like bro, like the community has so much trust yes. in the DHDC, it's you know what I'm the saying? the perfect
0: place to give them a vaccine, right? Yep. So a lot of people aren't going to yep. drive downtown going to the Ford Field or TCF, right? They're going to go to the places they know. So that, that's a wonderful initiative. Yeah. And
1: and to give a returning citizen like me a shot and to give me a job. And ever since then, my life is just going up, 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 Jobless, you know what man. I mean? Yeah. So I am definitely grateful, man. But yeah. but at the end of the day, man, you could give a guy money, a car, a job and everything. But if he don't got it in him, bro, then mm-hmm. then, then then none of it means anything. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. you have to have it in you for right. sure. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Yeah. Um. Cause I know, you know, the old, the old ways of the world, you know, we have a whole generation and they're accustomed to doing things the way that they are, but we understand that the world is in transition. It is changing in more ways than one. So that means that we need new people with new ideas, yeah. who can evolve and change with the time and know what's best right. and know the needs and the wants of the generation and the world to come. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, it's I, like I a lot here. of times, a lot of people have a hard time breaking away from the old ways and wanting to transition or having a hard time with that transition mm-hmm. and they want to keep things the same. So it's like, I I always embrace innovation. I embrace growth. I am I embrace evolution. Right, you right, know? right, right, right. And, and so it's like... um. You know, what challenges do you face from a lot of the elders? Are just accustomed to doing things the way they do, you know, that they've been doing, whether they worked or not, they just stick to the same remedy. Yeah, you know. But if we want to see real results, and that's what I love about the new generation. I've said it so many times because when we were raised, we're shut up. You don't ask questions, you do what I tell you, and go in the next room. And so you just you just do what you're told. You (laughs) we followers, we're just following and doing what we're told. But these kids are like, No, I want answers. Why does this happen? Why is that? Who is he? Who is she? Right. And and they're breaking down bears and they're getting answers and, and they're digging up the dirt and they're bringing out the skeletons. They, and they have more the information. Troop, the truth, the You know, information at
0: their fingertips, right? It's, it's the the Google era. Oh man! Yeah. Every time I ask my
1: daughter something, she'll like, Google told me. I said, "Google, I'm your dad. You better listen
0: to me." Yeah, yeah, but exactly. I think what you're saying. I think it's more systems than people. I think uh, government is very slow. They're used to bureaucracy. They're used to a certain way of things being done. I think if somebody does break in there with better ideas that can just work quicker and really know the community and what the community needs, you start to get a list of priorities and say, we definitely have to do these things. We mm-hmm. have to take care of our babies. Our babies are in poverty. Uh, let's make sure the parents have opportunity to take care of the kids. Without going through the red tape, without going through the bureaucracy, like let's just do what we need to do to make it happen. Um, and that's the type of person I am, person that knows what needs to be done and can actually get those things done that needs to be done, right? So mm-hmm. it's just being effective really. And, and cutting through the, the bureaucracy of it
1: how are you able to reach the the, the um the community with translation mm-hmm. you know during your campaign like everything oh, is great I'm you can attention. articulate yourself perfectly in english yeah but how do you what tool do you use to be able to reach you know the, the people in the my, community who don't speak english 100 man my 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 people
0: the people that believe in me that are really at this point volunteering cuz the money's not pouring in because my network isn't rich they can't give me a bunch of money i'm getting $5 $20 here and there which i'm completely grateful for but people who believe in me and believe in um the platform that i'm running for you know mm-hmm. believe in what what we believe in we believe in it together so they're over here volunteering their time so i have a few translators out of volunteering. Um, my friend uh, Veronica was actually on a different po- Spanish language podcast with me. Okay. They reached out to me in Spanish and I said, "I only, English is my, my number one language, like my only language. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, if I can bring a translator around, she said, yeah, for sure. And then my volunteer just hopped on right with me. We oh, that's, that's And she's uh, translating all of the uh, campaign material too. So yeah, volunteers, they okay. just got to look for uh, what, what we're running for.
1: That's dope, bro. Mm -hmm. And are you in tune with like local businesses?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and and I hinted toward this earlier, but it's like there was a big initiative from the city to make parking meters on burner. And I knew that that would negatively impact the businesses because I know that our people aren't going to stop. And put change or put a credit card in, in the parking kiosk mm. just to go shopping at you know or stop mm. at columbos or at the restaurants or, or wherever right yeah um and so i fought hard to get those parking meters taken off which which mm. we did and i think be, the business community was grateful for that okay but yeah small businesses in Southwest trade, Detroit that's where we get our culture that's where it's just a little bit different right we have donut villa we don't have dunkin donuts right we have mm-hmm. taquerias we don't have taco bell it's it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah. way better it's like that authentic because it's stuff authentic, from the community. bro. Yeah,
1: yeah. So one hundred percent small businesses like that is, is the community. So yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Those those are my people's for sure. My man. <laughs> yeah. So what's the future looking like for you, man? Like, you know, what what's 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 on the agenda? I, I know I'm, you're running. I'm in for... politics.
0: I'm in politics for a reason. It's like I think um hopefully, Lord willing, I'm uh in city council starting to 2022, right? So city council's four years, so I'll be there for till at least two thousand twenty six.
1: What are and the so, re, what, what, what is the duties and responsibilities of a city council? Just because people don't know. I don't even know, you know, there's so there's different brands,
0: different levels of government. Right. So like I said, I was just now working for Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence, United States House of Representatives, and she represents a district, but re- represents the district in Washington, D.C. And there's four hundred and sixty five like her across the whole country. And so they vote on the bills that affects the whole country but she's from this district from Detroit, all the way up north past Southfield to Pontiac. Pontiac. And so if you go a couple levels, one level down, it's state politics where they go to Lansing, they represent a district in Detroit, right? Mm -hmm. In Southwest Detroit, we have Tyrone Carter is our state representative and Cynthia Johnson is our state representative. They represent us, oh, oh, we fell. They represent us in Lansing. My bad, real everyday people, (laughs) y'all. Real everyday people, (laughs) (laughs) y'all, right? (laughs) And then, then you have city council, right? So in city council, you have uh, nine people that are representing the city of Detroit in the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And that level of government takes care of different services. So like we know the easy ones is fire department, trash pickup, police, uh, but the way things are being policed. But then the city of Detroit also has a really big budget, $1.4 billion, pretty much discretionary budget, and they get to um, focus on what the priorities are. So you got 1.4 billion dollars pretty much every year and you have to do important things with that right Absolutely. and that's what i'm saying is people aren't talking about the real way people are being affected number one thing is poverty poverty leads to being criminalized because you can't afford insurance poverty leads to going hungry poverty leads to getting uh, kicked out of your house and becoming homeless mm-hmm. right and so to me economic justice is like the foundation of what justice is economic justice to me is racial justice because black and brown people have been pushed out of the economic process since the beginning. Mm -hmm. So if we can bring some of that back and we can use the city government to implement childcare, to get rid of the barriers to home ownership, to even give direct payments to families with children that are struggling to bring Mm -hmm. black and brown babies out of poverty, that's what we need to do. Because in local government, you should know your people better than anybody else because you're from there and representing there and you're going to Detroit to represent Detroit. You should be the
1: last Line of defense for the people that you're representing, and th- that's that's what that's where my heart is. That's dope, man. I, you know, that's beautiful because work like that has to come from the heart, bro. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about the DHDC, bro. Everybody there has their heart into their work, bro. You know what There's, I'm saying? At DH,
0: any type of community organization like that and
1: in politics is so close. That's why I made that transition. I
0: started the HDC with my, my first organizing job, mm-hmm. and now I'm in politics there's no punching in and punching out. If you work at the HCC, you're always working. You're working right now, I'm sure. you can check your yeah, emails. You're getting your emails to your inbox yep. right now. It's like, but Angie, didn't <laughs> send me an email. What? All <laughs> all right. I things when you do yeah. community work like that, it's not a nine to five. It's you're always
1: on. If you're, Listen, if you're awake, you're on. It's a way of life, man. Yep. I mean, what I do in my personal life, what I do in my professional life, it all coincides, it's one bro. One thing. You when know, you're in the community, you're networking and, and just moving forward, man. You mm-hmm. know, and, there's uh,
0: no work. They, they always ask that question: How is your work life? what is that called mm-hmm. i don't know what it's called work-life uh balance work-life balance like, yeah, yeah there is for me there has not been work-life balance the past 10 at least 10 years i don't have work-life mm-hmm. balance it's all one thing
1: Yep. Yeah, it know? all coincide with it one all another but yes, when you sure. love
0: what you do it's not work anyway, right i love working for the community i love I, I understand politics i understand and i think i'm uniquely situated to like benefit the people because i understand politics so well okay right we don't get to say in the politics podcast but Maybe next time I come out, we can dive into policy. Brother, but it's- we are, we are a
1: real everyday. You are a real everyday person. Yeah. You came from the same mud that we did, bro. Right. And look where you at, man. man you uplifting your people. Our job, we are in the business of the well, of contributing to the well-being of people, man. Yeah, yeah. You know what it's, I'm saying? You have to have a heart. You have to love what you do. I literally when I go to work, I whistle while I work because I love what I do. It's good going. for me, it's good for my spirit, it's good for my people, it's good for my family. I'm a good example, yep. you know? Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. Um what have have you talked about the um issues pertaining to returning citizens? Like, you know, our community, <clears throat> you know, we've had so many indictments gang indictments all the cobras all the counts all the cash flows everybody got indicted 30 at a time in prison state prison it's packed with neighborhood people but now here it is after 20 years of all these murder cases and drive-bys and all this everybody's coming home now and it's like what is available for them like i said like like through the dhdc I just started up an adult healing circle because I told them it's more than just providing a job. It's more than just providing money or providing a vehicle. Like these people need. Uh, uh critical thinking skills you know what I mean? they need communication skills like they just they, skills. they just they yeah. just come from an environment where they're just told what to do and being demanded to do this and that and mm-hmm. and 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 uh you know so the transition for especially for long-term prisoners from coming to an environment like that into this like so I, my my whole thing was to be able to contribute to their mental well-being yeah so yeah. starting and, and and give and creating a support system for them and and so that's what i've created there but But there's just so much more as far as resources because they do need financial help, you know, yeah, with yeah. clothes, with shoes, because when they don't have them resources, you know, like they say, if you don't know what to do with your life, somebody else will. Yeah. And it's easy when you see a guy hungry, especially he comes home, he sees everybody got cars, they're eating good, they're living good. He wants some of it. And, and now he's, you know, he, he just got denied a job and now he, he's having a hard time getting, you know, a ride. And now he's like, you know, I want to sell drugs. or I'm going to go rob somebody or I'm going to, yeah. you know, I'm going to go start using drugs again and, yeah. and relapsing There's, and all that
0: type yeah. of stuff unfortunately yeah, there's there's a big stigma when it comes to hiring so what what would you expect folks to do when they're trying to provide for themselves and start their lives over again i think there's a big opportunity in some of the skilled trades uh, i think people are coming around to realizing that people do deserve a second chance mm-hmm. and it's like if they're trying to make their lives better okay when we have some people willing to work there should be systems set up right there you know i, I know you, did you mention expungements you know so oh yeah it's like government can partner with organizations like yours and just have expungement fairs and then set people up like at least with some training so they get the pipeline to work instead of that pipeline to prison and so they're just knowing what your community is and you said it exactly perfectly i've been seeing i used i remember old gang members i recognize them from the 90s and they're coming back to Southwest Detroit, coming right back home i'm like i remember that guy from way back in the day Mm -hmm. and it's you have to know your community so you have to know to set those things up for them Mm -hmm. you have to know let's set up some expungement fairs or let's get these skilled trades uh unions in there so they can start recruiting people people that are willing to give them a second chance and start that training process so they can get a job that's going to take care of themselves and their family so they don't have to go back to the streets and so i think that just comes back to knowing your community and and getting the right person in office that can do those things Mm -hmm. connect
1: those dots yeah um um, when when I was in prison, um, there was an organization called Chance for Life. It was ran by Tom Adams and Jessica Taylor, and they ran all like the life skills uh, um, programs that were in prison. And we, I, I became a trained mediator. And they talked about how they were trying to create uh, mediation centers around the city and neighborhoods to teach social skills, to kind of mediate like like neighborly disputes and, and, and you know, um, what do they call them domestic disputes you mm. know be you know just between families and and stuff like that and i thought that that was a great idea because i know that a lot of the issues that people have are because of lack of communication mm. you know yeah. and um
0: how to express themselves or uh uh like really know what their emotions are
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: think an emotional intelligence part of that yeah i think sometimes people will get in trouble because their temper will flare up and then they just act in a react in a violent way because that's just mm-hmm. what they're used to mm-hmm. but yeah yeah correct yeah I think some of those soft skills knowing how to relate to people I think that's very important and it's it takes I think a lot of times and mentors like yourself that's been through that process right That can just help help the next person to go through that same process you know I oh.
1: think that's sometimes the strongest thing to do oh absolutely yeah man. and I'm talking about like we we have a small community of brothers like Rick Speck, Mario Bueno, uh Lucy Barra, um uh Jose Rivera, me, and, and so many other brothers mm-hmm. who came from the concrete jungle, have come home and are are just you know contributors our pillars now in the community and yeah. putting ourselves in positions to have a voice to be a voice to have an opinion to have a say so to change things that accommodate our community yeah. our people our wants our needs
0: yeah you know yeah it's it's unfortunate man it's like and a lot of times people were that product of their environment and how many young people we've lost because the environment is, is just so toxic right and it's like how many people are as skilled and as talented as yourself and all those people you mentioned that could have been like a little different environment and then just flourish from there. It's like we, we lost a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And that's my heart goes out to my generation and even the next generation coming up through experiencing those things, right? That the big reason why I'm running for office is just to leave a really good influence, like making sure kids have the resources they need. Um, and again, coming out of poverty, man, just having some resources and having things to do with it. It, it could change somebody's
1: life. What is know? it that you think about education? Why is it different? in Bloomfield Hills than it is in Southwest Detroit. Even like my lady, she was telling me how she used to live in Woodhaven and -hmm. they went to a school. And then some years later, they moved to Taylor. And all of a sudden, like they just, it digressed the education. And it was like, okay, now you're in Taylor. And then you move down to what? You move down to Southgate and River Rouge and Ecores and Detroit. And it's like, why does it get better why is it better yeah. here and there if education should be should you know be the, the same way across the board it should be the same the state of michigan changed the
0: law maybe 20 years ago where they can fund education based on local property taxes so if property taxes in detroit are low they're not getting because because housing or real estate is low they're not getting as much funding to the education system as somewhere like bloomfield hills or gross point or those things because property taxes are way high so they can put a lot of money into their schools you know so unfortunately it's, it's a funding issue um the federal government steps up to give more funding to detroit but the kids need the resources right they need teachers that are getting paid enough so that they're they're okay they're happy going to work they're not struggling themselves they're not carrying some of that stress and anxiety from being underpaid and and they can uh, teach better you need to pay our teachers more so mm-hmm. a, a lot of it's funding and resources that that Places like Detroit don't have or has been robbed of.
1: Yeah, because I'm like the Detroit value education. I mean, is is, is money being you know uh, distributed correctly or is it just a lack of funds? Is it the lack of passion in the teachers? Or like, it's, you it's know, resources. the quality of education I believe should be across the yeah. board you know equal man yeah
0: and then it, again i think we got to go back to looking at families it's like do the families have the resources that the children need to, to thrive and to succeed right it's like do they have the money for school supplies are they getting their kids to school with their car or is their car broken down it's like mm-hmm. there's a lot more struggles in the city you know whether it's uh, under-resourced schools or kids that are stressed out because there's a, a, a something going on in their home right mm-hmm. so it's, it's just a lot tougher coming from a city that's impoverished which I always it, go back to that man. Economic man. justice is justice. So yes. we got to build opportunity. That's why I always go and, back. And, to and doing our things,
1: people too. have become impoverished men- mentally, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like we if were raised raised to think like peasants and live like peasants, bro. And it's sad. Yeah, and it's so the around
0: you. Yeah. If it's if that's what you see around you, you don't have those uh, models where you can do something different. Sometimes you got to like escape your direct environment and you know so take a look at some books like this right it's like take a look at some books this
1: was one of my escapes for sure i saw this. and it was very That's... fruitful yeah still i can read that book 10 times more i'm checking it out so it's like escape your immediate environment matter of fact this is for you, you brother you take that home with what? you. what really for sure man yeah
0: i was taking that out right. man I, leave yes you. yes for sure man
1: <laughs> as a man thinking there's so but much good sh- information in
0: this book man. I'd, I'd say yeah read it's uh, you know if you got a toxic environment like reads pick something up and, and focus on something else yeah find your passion and, and do good yeah My you man. know you know
1: so you're a father as well what's fatherhood yeah. like for you man man it's wonderful
0: uh watching the babies grow it's um just watching them learn get their own personality you know it's 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 the best thing it's a blessing every kid each kid and every kid is, is is a blessing and just watching their talents um my oldest daughter like i said is in western uh she does well she's been on zoom you know this past year like everyone else um but she's a little hustler man she started an instagram business uh she's selling eyelashes Dang. uh she's learning how to do nails making money i'm like okay got a little entrepreneur here you yeah, know that's dope. there's a lot of talent in the neighborhood um my son benicio eight years old he has autism but he's the nicest kindest kid in the world bro like we're blessed to have him and then my son, my daughter my youngest one aria she's you know daddy's a little girl bro a little princess Oh, that's dope she bro. calls herself a princess like she's a girly girl and daddy's a little girl so yeah. And she's smart and talented, too, man. She amazes me every day. Yes. Yeah, uh, parenthood, fatherhood is the most wonderful, most fulfilling thing in my life, man. No it's doubt, like, man. And like I said, that's, that's why I have the energy and and, and more to give because I get everything from home. Like mm-hmm. I'm content and perfectly happy where I'm at. Mm-hmm. So I have the ability to, to give and do campaigns and, and to work hard because every other area of my life is fine at this point. Thank God, you know, thank God for that. I'm in this position to do it.
1: Thank God for everything, you, <laughs> me? Bad, man. you know, we just yeah. got a grandbaby, just came home, man. And, you know, I went to prison. My kids were one, three, and five. So I didn't get, you know, I forfeited the privilege of raising my own kids. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And and even when they, you know, them little years that, you know, they were children, like, my priorities were different. I was in the street. So mm-hmm. I missed out on all that. But now we got the little grandbaby, bro. And I like... I want to do things totally different. You know what I'm saying? Every time I look at that baby or walk by him, I got to give him a kiss and just, you know yeah. because that's what i think like all the so many people need bro they need affection they need love it's so sad and unfortunate i know people who weren't raised with intimacy with love with hugs with passion with compassion and things like that oh, and proud. they're being deprived of one of the most wonderful gifts that god gave us is love amen you bro. know what i'm yeah. saying yeah yeah i think uh i think
0: some my parents generation was a little too tough for all that love <laughs> love yeah. and compassion yeah. like you said but yeah i don't go a with day without kissing my children bro it's like I don't know if I had that growing up, but
1: Southwest
0: would harden you up, yeah. man. i I'll really tell you play. what,
1: my mom, she'd kick my ass, and but she'd hug me
0: too. You know right. what I'm saying? She'd yeah, yeah. She'd be mad tough. love. My mom had to be tough, right? I told you she had two kids when she was 19, single mom. She was, yeah. she was a tough one, but. She was loving, yeah, she, she loved us too, though, man. She, she always had, had awesome.
1: quotes on the walls in the houses, pray, be good, have a nice day, smile, be grateful. So it's like, you know, even though you're dealing with, you know, a lifestyle and in the community where it's hectic, when I come home, I felt so good, you know, know, and so I felt real. so yeah. privileged. And yeah. even though we were, we were poor financially, like we were wealthy and rich with love and and dignity and pride and, and all that good stuff, no, that's, bro.
0: That's what counts, man. That's what counts, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, with me, man, I mean, before we end here, I want to tell people that I, I started university. I told you I entered for Columbia Kilpatrick. Mm-hmm. I, I went to University of Michigan. Um, I just now what, 20 years later from when I first started, just now finished my bachelor's degree in political science. Wow, man, that's a yeah, hell of you know? an accomplishment. I know, and I, Congratulations, I, 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 can, barely, I can barely believe it because it was about 15 years since I first dropped out to work. You got the clock, and I can't then, see the time. And then after that,
1: yeah, we're done. Yeah, we're about to be done. Go ahead, finish yeah, up and then, my then, then
0: I came back, political science, uh, just finished out during this pandemic, took advantage, took the classes online. And, and just got my bachelor's degree, man. So I feel, I feel really great accomplishment. Man, that is a that. hell
1: of an accomplishment, Thank bro. You, and Thank I you. know what goes into putting in that kind of work being a father, be, working, and then being a student. Yeah. That's a lot to manage, bro. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, 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 we made it, though. So
1: I'm done with, I'm done we with that. We're going to make it. So listen, man, we're going to get you to sign the, the Wall of Fame over here at okay. LinkedIn okay. Entertainment Something Studios, baby. You ready? And it got me upset. Spring. Living in that very mm. tell American dream. This
0: has been an episode of Real Everyday People, part of the El Nino Podcast. Check out the El Nino Podcast live on Facebook every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And for full episodes,
1: the El Nino Podcast is available on Facebook and YouTube.